about to hear part two to this episode of climate mayhem if you haven't already go listen to part one to get the full story well you went in a completely different way than where i think you go after you said the word climate mayhem which was love it though (laughs) love the bringing it in yeah 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 i appreciate it and it's that i thought you were going to go in the direction of if the effects of climate change start to really be felt like i remember seeing on the news last year was like there's heat waves the high temperatures in 30 different major cities in america and i was like wow i mean imagine each summer that's it's literally a fire underneath our butts that could get everyone moving faster to get stuff done but i think it's that and it's more complex than it's like it's more uh philosophical in some way and then a, a big major decision from that philosophy from the government's perspective You've mentioned to us and before there's this uh, concept of GAF versus LAF, a philosophy that you have. And this is uh, could be considered a framing. Um, tell us more about what that means. GAF versus LAF. I don't know that it's sophisticated enough to be to be considered a philosophy, but, um, you know, we we kind of. Early on, it sealed. Kind of tried to simplify what we're what we're what we're trying to do, and 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 really, it's an idea of your working with the bounds of human behavior. So the the very basic idea. This is again not not rocket science. Is that everyone is let's say greedy as fudge, right? And everyone is as lazy as fudge. You can you can you can substitute your own love fudge. If you want. Love fudge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's human, right? Like we're all we're all yeah. human. I consider myself a lazy environmentalist, right? And so, you know, we all want really nice things in life and it's, and greed, by the way, is not just money, right? In fact, most of the times it isn't, it's the things right. that money buy, which mm-hmm. is comfort, which is health, which is safety right. in your home, yeah. which is a sense of security, right? Which is having fun. And laziness is not, you know, oh, I don't want to do anything. It's I'm also busy, right? I've got, I've got a couple of kids. I'm, I'm trying to meet deadlines. I'm doing all these things. I don't have time to do all the things that I, that I should do. Right. Um, that everyone tells me I need to do. And so I think when we think about change and we think about getting people to, you know, retrofit their home, for example, we can't rely on just being rational with people in the sense of, you know, this is the right thing to do. And if you cared about the planet, you would do X, Y, or Z and look at the return on investment you could get from doing it for doing X, Y, Z, right? That's not how we buy anything else in our life, right? We, we buy things um, emotionally, we justify them in our, in our head, but really we do things based on how we feel, right? And so how we feel can be a lot of things, right? It can be climate stories, right? It can be things like um, the frustration this year. I was delayed on an Amtrak for three hours because of a brush fire in New Jersey in March, which I've never in my life heard of. Um, It could be something that's a little sappier, right? Like I, it kind of hit me the other day was I was reading a, a book about uh, about snow to my son that he's not going to experience snow in the same way that I did, you know, growing up outside wow. of Chicago. So I think like, you know, th- those are emotions, but also emotions are getting really cold, right? Like when I had my cold yeah. home and my mother yeah. came in in the holidays and made a lot of passive aggressive comments about how cold it was <laughs> and told my relatives Perfect. they better bring their slippers, right? Like I oh, felt a certain emotion and then 
a year yeah. later when she came in and and it was cold outside and she was like, oh, it's so warm now, right? I, I wow. had another another motion, right? So I think nice. it's really just understanding how people really make decisions and, and working within that framework. I think that's awesome. And I do think it's sophisticated enough to be a philosophy because it goes back to kind of what you were talking about, mayhem being this dealing with the chaos and the changes on both sides of the fence. And it's a little bit of what we we like to talk about a little bit here on Climate Mayhem, which is a lot of the conversation out there is about sacrifice or even logic or even rationality. But to your point, it's not how people live. It's not how we make decisions. We make decisions when mom makes that comment to our sibling about us and we're like, dang it. I need to do something about that, you know, and it's, and it's emotional. Right. And I think, I think that's a powerful way to understand your customer and understand how to build this business, you know, that is sealed and you can't just go out there and tell everybody that their house is, is drafty. They all know it, but some may not care because they, you know, they're they're just not there yet. So I think it's a, a powerful way of thinking about it. And I just think it's a great way of knowing your customer and knowing how to deal with this change. On that note, you know, one of the things that we were talking about a minute ago made me start thinking about your SEALD's growth, right? Like at the end of the day, <laughs> Climate Mayhem is all about capitalists taking on the climate and and you guys are building a business. But you mentioned a little bit around like states dealing with the IRA differently and this funding that's coming down the pipe for the homes part of the act, et cetera. Sealed isn't everywhere yet. They're not in every state in the union yet. There's probably a lot of reasons behind that. How is Sealed growing? How are you thinking about growth? And why are you in the states that you're in today? Yeah, great, great question. So we're not everywhere, but we're we're growing we're growing pretty quickly. Um, we yeah. started out in the state of New York for no better reason than me and my co-founder Lauren lived in New York, right? So I lived Love in uh, Astoria, Queens when when Sealed started. And so the easiest market for me to get to with a lot of single family homes was was Long Island. So yeah. we would go yeah. out there, um, you know, a couple of times a week and knock on doors, go to farmer's markets, shadow energy audits, um, all, that, all wow. that good stuff. And so we grew in New York for a good chunk of time in, in building the business. And then starting in 2021, we really started growing geographically. Um, and now we're in seven states, um, I'm proud to say, including nice. Maryland that we launched in uh, earlier earlier this week. Congratulations. And that's, nice job, thank man. You. Well, yeah, yeah, thank it's you. huge. So that's that's meant a lot of a lot of growth and it's it's exciting. We grew 4x between 2000 and 2021 and and a little over 2x uh, between 2021 and 2022. So we've been able to, you know, build the team and in that period of time we doubled headcount as well. So wow. we're now in uh the states that we're in um cover I think close to 15 million uh, homes across the US. So we're, wow. we're we're growing growing pretty quickly. But to your point, we're not everywhere. And one thing we're actually really excited about with the IRA is we think that there's opportunities for for Sealed and for companies like Sealed to actually leverage our impact um, in an even greater way through doing things like creating tools to enable things like measured like measured savings incentives through the homes program. So we want to build on what we've yeah. done. And ultimately, again, our goal is in order to stop home energy waste and electrify homes, we really think we need to turn energy efficiency into a true clean energy resource. And as the saying goes, right, what's, what gets measured gets managed. And right now, we're, nice. for the most part, this industry is not measuring energy not savings. That. And so yeah. it's not actually managing them. And we want to change that. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you said that earlier, like 
Sealed is perfectly positioned to be that measured solution to energy efficiency, which I think I think is awesome. I guess another part of my question, though, was this idea, are you anticipating or have you run into any regulatory issues state by state? Like, I know that, like you mentioned solar earlier, and solar is very different depending on what state you are. Some yeah. it's incentivized, some they don't care about it, they don't even really want it. Are you anticipating that? Are you hearing any of that? Are you experiencing any of that? Well, I mean, we definitely experience it in one way, shape, or form, right? I think everybody does. So kind of historically, you know, it's a matter of degree. There's, you know, there's there's uh, sometimes times where there's some sort of state or regulatory policy that will be an annoyance. You have to change some paperwork or, or do do different things. Uh, yep. Right now we are waiting, you know, getting into the wonderful District of Columbia because the state of Connecticut needs to run a background check on me and make sure I've not committed any felonies uh, since I've lived wow. here. So hopefully that'll come back uh, in town. So there's a lot of just like paperwork and, and just kind of high level yeah. regulatory yeah, stuff you need to do. Sometimes it's a little bit more serious than that. So for example, sometimes programs go through, uh, incentive programs go through what we call a sugar rush or sugar crash. So basically they over-incentivize and then they run out of money. And so you basically have go from a high incentive to a no incentive. And that's really hard to manage, um, you know, certainly for us, but much more so for our contractor partners, because they're the ones that have to kind of hire the workers. We can always go to it. We can always shift our our focus to a, to a new market or lessen our reliance on that market when that happens. But it's really hardest on the contractors who have to, you know, build, uh, hire people and, and lease yep. trucks and lease warehouse space. So that's the disruption. And then sometimes there's the case where there's places like Massachusetts, for example, that we, we really can't enter because um, they've essentially crowded out private capital. So um, the Massachusetts, for wow. example, offers... 75% or more uh, subsidy for weatherization, um, which is great if you're a, you know, if you're a homeowner, but what it means yeah. is they haven't created like a real kind of sustainable market or private market for this kind of thing. So it's, it's, sure. you know, we, we're not going to compete with free basically when we're, when we're financing. Yeah. So, yeah. so those, and then now with the IRA, right. I think it's actually blown up on a much bigger, on a much bigger level because each state is going to have to decide again, how they're going to implement things like the homes program. Are they going to you yeah, know, provide yeah. the model pathway, the measured pathway, both. Measure, sure. What does that look like? Again, this is this idea of change, right? And it's, and it's right. a really hard, it's a really hard thing. And it's a very human thing. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be, yeah, a state by state, potentially in some states, county by county challenge, uh, you know, longtime startup ops guy launched in multiple different states and different, different startups. And man, yeah, it's, it's a lot of a, so how are you guys thinking about scale? And I guess one other complexity there is the suppliers, like your contractors, any challenges there on finding contractors, finding those partners that you want to have in a region by region area. And how are you thinking about that as you as you think about scale? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really important part of the, of the puzzle. Um, I will say, Philosophically, we're much a much bigger believer in demand being the primary driver and supply nice. kind of coming along. And it's never perfect, right? If you look at the solar sure. space, for example, right, you get these you get this roller coaster where you know demand uh, exceeds supply and supply <laughs> has to catch up, and then it overshoots and it goes the Wait, opposite. So, yeah, sure. not expecting it, rainbows and butterflies when it comes to to supply uh, to supply issues, but it's really important, and it's really important because I think especially for things like weatherization and heat pumps, the quality of installation actually matters usually much more than the the actual materials or the equipment itself, right? right. So you need a trained workforce. You need people who know yep. what they're doing. And this is really hard work, right? You're yep. crawling around in attics. You're dealing with refrigerants and line sets. This is 
this is not easy work. And so I think the way that we think about it is certainly we would love for more people to start companies in this space, but a lot of the answer is just um, combination of helping companies that are in this space that are doing good work scale up, right? And part of the challenge of them scaling up today is they have to do too much, right? If you're a if you're a weatherization contractor, for example, you've got to do sales and marketing yeah, and yeah. Con- construction administration and project management and all sorts of paperwork for, for incentives and permitting and all this stuff. It's just a really hard thing to do, right? So yeah. we try and make it easier for them by taking away all of the kind of the the not fun stuff, right? And allow them to really yeah. focus on what they're doing so they can scale up that much more. And then similarly for that, I think for the HVAC space, we definitely need more scale. There's a lot of HVAC professionals out there, but a lot of them don't know or are not comfortable with installing heat pumps, for example, right? So it's giving them that market signal that that customers want this, they should invest the time. We can, we can you know, certainly do what we can to help them. There's a lot of great training programs and workforce development programs, but the solutions are out there. I think that the the real big, the real big question is how do you drive that that super strong demand signal to to make sure that the you know that the contracting base knows and the the rest of the supply chain knows that there's going to be that demand there for the long term. You said demand being the driver. So are you all planning to do a lot of a lot of marketing, a lot of sales to be able to you know have hundreds and thousands of new people demanding this uh, this service, or, or are you approaching that differently? Well, I think that's part of it. I mean, we are we are today. Uh, we've got an excellent uh, excellent marketing marketing team that uh, you know produces wonderful ads, and we're adding channels all the time. I was trying right. to fall asleep to a podcast last night, and unbeknownst to me, I start hearing a sealed ad. Right, so now we're on now we're, now we're on Spotify. <laughs> so I think that's part of it, right? It's like you can't imagine a consumer product in this country that isn't driven at least in some part by advertising. Right, that's just that's just kind of how it's how it's done. Now the trick is driving as much of that traffic to be organic over time as people start yeah. to hear about this more, right? And, and we're yeah, certainly yeah. we're certainly doing that on our end. And then number two, as we kind of talked about before, reducing that friction, making it easy as possible. So we're you know investing a lot in um, in digital tools. We've got a great great product team. A lot of folks that come from um, places like Home Advisor and Angie's List that know how to create kind of tools in this in this space to be able to make it a lot easier for not just the homeowner but for the contractors as well. And I think reducing that that friction is something that's really, really important to us. And we think is, is really important to kind of scaling, scaling this industry. And it's working. It's working. Yeah. I, well, so the reason I asked this question to give some barriers, because when I first learned about sealed, I could imagine it kind of a marketplace business model and Ty and I are marketplace guys. We're startup guys, but we're also marketplace guys and we're used to thinking and operating in scale. So for me, it's using digital marketing to bring thousands of supply Right. Mm-hmm. So in this scenario, it's contrast to some just thinking, how do you get to 10,000 contractors? And then, you know, for Ty, it's similar. You know, he's worked on both yeah. sides, supply and demand. Always so, trying to get, always yeah. trying to bring in the supply. Answer but I like your question. model. Yeah. 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 I like your idea of bringing the, the demand in and then being able to scale up, you know, or, or level up the workforce and building those partnerships where you're like, hey, I've got HVAC, but let me, let me get a little bit of education. And now I know heat pumps. But you guys are obviously making it work. You're scaling. So obviously, one of the things we like to ask here, though, is this idea of doing this as a for-profit company. You know, I think we've acknowledged in the climate space over and over again that, like, for years and years, it was all about sacrifice and change, change your behavior, change your habits, sacrifice. And we're not saying you, you don't do that. But one of the big hypotheses here at Climate Mayhem is, 
we're talking to companies that are going after it for profit to make money. So we got to ask, how do you balance this? How do you become a billionaire? And this is space. Like, how are you thinking about doing this as a capitalist uh, venture, if you will? Yeah, well, I would say first off, I don't think it's a balance. I think it's an alignment. So the way that we nice. we that we think about it is, there's a lot of great businesses that I have lots of great intentions that try to balance. Right. So you buy something from our company and we'll donate something good to you know oh, to the climate or don't really yeah. else, right. And but that's a that's a balance. You're kind of using it as a it's kind of related to the the goodwill of the existing yeah. management. You know, you can imagine a sharky private equity company taking them over and say, well, why don't we give, you know, half right. of what we were giving before and we'll still get <laughs> the money, right. you know, but not my <laughs> totally. half, right? Love so it. I'm a big believer of alignment and in our kind of North star of a business is, you know, we will not do something as a business if it doesn't meet really three criteria. One has to be something that is good for the, for, for the planet. It has to be something that is by its nature going to not just be good for the planet, but is going to, we think be a great business, right? Be very, very profitable growth profile, et cetera. And third, um, I guess a little more specifically, something that's going to meaningfully increase our customers' quality of life, right? So not just, you know, cutting their energy or cutting their carbon for the sake of, of cutting their, their energy use, but really yeah. improving their quality of life in some sort yeah. of individual way. Now it's hard to do that. Um, and, you know, that's, again, yeah. when we go back to the beginning of the podcast, right, we we are, we are embarking on things that are uh, important but challenging. And I tell everyone when they join SEAL that that's kind of built into our built into our DNA. But, you know, one of our core values is our purpose and leading and leading with purpose. And Love that's it. not just for show, that's built into our business model. So in other words, SEALed cannot reach our mission, right, without being an insanely good business and making a lot of money. And at the same time, we can't make an insane, insane amount of money, you know, billions of dollars without making an impact. So those two things are, are intertwined yeah. because yeah. we're only getting paid based on the impact that we're making. And I just have to call out one other thing that, you you know, we were just talking about, which is your suppliers, right? Like you guys have this like downstream effect of your success makes a lot of other small businesses throughout the country successful right? It makes a lot of people more comfortable, but it also powers a lot of contractors. And let's be real. These are the guys that may or may not believe in this whole space, not care about this whole space. But man, if you start to drive the economy through energy efficiency of people's homes by powering small businesses at scale, I mean, that's that's capitalism at its best, in my opinion. I think it, everything you said, your, your three statements, our this small business that I think is is you know can't be forgotten. So yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I actually spent all of last week at the um what's called the National Home Performance Conference. So it's a basically conference of, of efficiency contractors and they're awesome. And I, I will tell you, you know, a lot of them are guys, but there's there's we work with a lot of uh businesses Fair. owned yeah. owned by women uh doing this space. I, I, I shouldn't have made work, that a so gender comment. More, uh, very, very that's all right. It's it's more yeah. But yeah, they're the ones that are doing the hard work, right? And so really all we're trying to do is trying to empower them and making their yeah. lives easier and allowing them to have a much bigger, bigger impact. Yeah, love it. Andy, who who are your users? Just just curious. Like if you could describe the persona of them really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like who 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 are the buyers? Yeah. So our buyers are pretty much middle class uh suburban homeowners. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few different sub personas. 
you know, within that, but it's, it's folks that live in kind of middle America, right. And usually in, in metro areas, uh, they own their home. Maybe they've been there for a little while. Maybe they've been for for a long time, but they have some sort of problem in their home that they're looking to to solve, and and we can help solve it. I'm a little nerd on this stuff. What what are the kind of the subcategories, the sub personas? <laughs> Great question. I'll, I'll I'm I'm going to butcher any of the names. I think we have names for them, but I I'm not uh, I'm not uh, attuned enough to our to our marketing uh, to our marketing artifacts to, to cite them. But oh, one of the personas is essentially the kind of person um, or usually a couple that is either had or is about to have their first child just moved into a home re- first, you know, first kind of big, big home recently. I'm in that persona. The, this house that I'm in is our first single family home that my wife had. We had a, we had our, our baby, uh, uh, our baby soon after we, we moved in here. So you're kind of like, in the home, wanting to improve it, you know, kind of, kind of trying to make a lot of, a lot of change. And then another persona are kind of retirees who want to live in their home, right? So the the kids oh, are out of college. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that of things they've, they, they kind of know what's, what's wrong with their home, right? Having lived there for a long time. And really like, let's do it. College. Yeah. And want to enjoy their home. And sometimes there's also like health issues related to that. One of the big drivers yeah. of heat pumps that people don't talk about is health issues. You, a lot of people, especially with certain uh, conditions, need to have really constant temperature, right? And heat pumps are amazing for that. So there's a lot of kind of drivers around that with that with that persona. Just to double tap on that real quick, heat pumps, you're able to have a consistent temperature in each of the rooms that you have. For example, your eight mini splits. So if you leave your room cold, it's 60 and then your wife is in her office and she loves it hot. So she could have it at 75. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And my wife actually, she's upstairs in her office right above me right now. And she can set the heat pump for whatever. So cool. Whatever she finds comfortable. That's super yeah. cool. So cool. I will say, I think I'm in the middle of the two personas that you kind of highlighted, which I have, you know, soon to both be high school kids and all they do is just destroy your house. So <laughs> you're kind of like, you're kind of like just a man, just. Yeah. Let them get out of here. Let them get away, yeah. and then I'll fix all this stuff. You're you living, you're, so. you're living your own climate mayhem inside your exactly. Inside your <laughs> it's just climate mayhem all the time. Can't figure it out. To stay on this like small business startup vein that we we've been trying to keep the thread through is we have a lot of entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs in this space. What through all the stuff that you've gone through, which you have an awesome amount of experience here, man. Like, what if someone wanted to start an earth saving startup tomorrow? What's some advice, some, you know, some pitfalls to, to watch out for, tips and tricks they should shoot for first? What's something you could give to the to the next generation? I'm actually really bullish right now because I think I talk to a lot of folks that are leaving tech companies, for example, yeah, right. um, and, and really want to do something meaningful with their life. So I think what's really exciting right now is historically, this industry has been a lot of, you know, kind of energy nerds like like me, right? And what's happening now is we're getting a lot more folks coming in that have, you know, real skills, right? And so that's great yeah. because it means that we're able to build the next the next generation of businesses and it's really exciting. I think that the advice that I, you know, generally give to to to, fo- to folks that are that are wanting to get in the space and build companies is one thank you right like it's it's worth it's nice. worth it right yeah. it's worth doing yeah uh two it's going to be harder and take longer than you think right so just be kind of prepared mm. prepared for that and third you know really make sure you're solving the right problem there's a lot of complexity in this market and it's it's easy to think you're solving the right problem initially um, and and not realize that you actually need to solve a different problem or there's a, a level of complexity. And so 
you know, yeah. I'm a big um, believer in, you know, kind of the power of, of history and learning. And so make sure you, you really understand the market and understand the driver and, and uh, assume it's going to be about 10 times harder than you think it is right now. To get it done. That is powerful. And I think it ties right back to the beginning of, of the podcast where we talked about like people liking to take on big problems. And I, and I always kind of talk about like what, what's really jazzed me about this podcast and meeting all these amazing entrepreneurs and, and operators in the space is not only that these are big, huge problems, but these are big, huge nebulous problems, right? And every cool startup takes a big bet on the future. But to your point here where you guys are taking bets on the future with kind of made up technologies or made up ideas of carbon capture and put it in a rock and, you know, all of these types of things. And I think there's so much, you know, change and things you have to learn and pivots you have to make. So I think your advice is, is well said that like, you have to be ready to like make that adjustment as soon as you learn a little bit more, you know, information that you may not have looked at the problem right or not understood the problem yet, or the bet you made wasn't exactly the direction you should be going. You should, you know, pivot quickly and often to, to find the right lane. And I think that's, that's right. A, a, an entrepreneur coming into this space needs to have that expectation set right up front. At a higher level, beware the enterprise sales roadblocks. Right? <laughs> There's a lot oh, of, man. there's a lot of institutional players and I see a yeah. lot of younger entrepreneurs thinking like, oh yeah. And then I'll just sell the utility this because of course it'll, it'll make their business better. And I just stop. Let's talk about this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That comes from some of your previous experience. I, I, I looked you up, man. And it sounds like I learned, you, I learned the hard way. Yeah. You, you fill out enough against that wall a couple of times. You're still yeah. here. You're still here. Yeah. Too. You fill out enough hundred page RFPs and you start to finally get the, the message after, after a few years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one last question on this vein, from your perspective, what's the next big step change you think in climate action, climate tech, climate sustainability? What's the next big thing? One of the things I'm most excited about right now is actually on the policy side. And and uh, in addition to the, the IRA, I think that I'm a big believer in the confluence of policy and markets. So I think a lot of people, when they think about not just policy, but when they think about things like performance standards, right? Or things that are kind of like more, wow. you know, yeah. I don't call them blunt, but more kind of like a little bit of like command and control instruments. They view yeah. that as as not market aligned, right? Whereas I actually think it's it's sometimes the things that are going to drive the market, you know, forward the most. So for example, there's a lot of work being done, not just in DC, but also at the state level and at the local level around putting in place um, appliance standards to really go beyond where we've done before. So for example, like yeah. one of the things that's really you know, interesting about heat pumps is that they're more than 100% efficient. And what I mean by that is you know, a fossil furnace can only you know, at most get to 99.9999% efficiency because you're you're burning, you know, that again, that dead dinosaur in your home. And so the, the laws of thermodynamics, you can only get there. But a heat pump goes beyond that because it's not actually combusting. It's not, it's not creating energy. It's just moving energy. It's moving mm -hmm. heat specifically from where you want it to where, from where it is to where you want it to go, right? So it's using refrigerants and, and other technologies to move heat, even in really, really cold temperatures from the outside to the inside in the winter and, and the opposite in the, in the summer. It's just how any air conditioner works. And so when you do that, you can think a little bit differently from a kind of regulatory perspective. Um, there's a lot of great work. Um, actually, the Bay Area Air Authority recently passed some, I think, really 
historic regulations that are basically going to set air quality standards that are going to, you know, effectively, I think, phase down and then phase out, right, polluting appliances. And that's a real step change. And that's a real wow. signal to the market that we need to get yeah. there, right? And those two right. things need to go together, right? Because you can't set standards that the market's not going not gonna to meet, but the market can meet standards as long as it's given enough enough time or given the right kind of protocols or incentives to, to do so. And I think those two things yeah. need to work together. So there's a lot of great work being done, again, on air quality authorities on the state level, as well as on the federal level to really move performance standards. And if you look at the history of energy efficiency, that's actually what's moved the needle, um, You one would argue, more than anything, really? right? Yeah. The, the efficiency it. standards, it's the reason you're your computer today, one of the reasons your computer today is way more efficient than your computer of 20 years ago. Your refrigerator yeah, today God. is leaps and bounds more efficient than it was in the 1950s. It's because of these kind of behind the scenes efficiency standards. And I think that that's something that's actually really exciting and it's going to move the market as much as it's going to move kind of the policy world in general. And that's such a great perspective on policy. We always see it as a, in the startup world anyway, it's something we're always fighting against. Mm-hmm. I love that you're kind of putting it out there as like, it's a mar- it's a measure we have to meet potentially. I mean, it's one of the reasons Elon Musk is the, you know, I guess right now the second, you know, richest person in the world is a lot of people don't understand this, but a lot of actually for a long time, Tesla's profitability came from selling these things called zero emission vehicle credits, right? Because of this kind of this kind of performance standard that was set up. So he was actually getting paid by his competitors because he had much more efficient, efficient cars and then had a competitive advantage. But that was all because of this policy framework that was put in place um, X many years ago. Dang, and we incentivize cool. the purchase of those vehicles. Now I've said it a couple of times. Right. I think we just we just created the richest person in the world. This <laughs> with, with with government incentives, but yeah. All right, we could go on that for a long time. I really appreciate the heat pump thing. I'm actually way more intrigued after this conversation. I appreciate that. But Jacob, oh, I, I think time. it's time, man. It's time. Yeah. It's time. All right, Andy, we're gonna do something called rapid mayhem questions. So give us the best answer you got. I am gonna try to stoop you, but. I think I think this will be a fun conversation. All right. If you're ready, let's do it. Okay. All true or false. True or false. Globally, energy efficiency appliances have lowered energy as much as wind and solar have produced. True or false? False because it's more. Energy efficiency is actually a much bigger resource than than solar, wind, or or even fossil fuel. All right. You're right. I'll take the answer. That that fact blew my mind a couple of days ago. I just could not believe it. Even the fact that appliances can be greater than 100% efficiency, which means they create a surplus of energy, is like still blowing my mind. And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. All right, next one. True or false? Replacing single pane windows with double pane windows leads to energy savings of up to 30%. Uh, false. And this is actually something we get a lot at SEAL. A lot of people call us and say, you don't need to talk to me. I know what my problem is. It's my windows. Um, and the truth is, sometimes it's their windows. Most of the time, it's not because of what's called in building science, the stack effect, where you're basically, you know, heat rises. So when your heat is leaving your home, it goes up, but it creates kind of a, a vacuum where you feel the coldest in the weakest parts of your uh, of your of your walls or your, your kind of the side of your house, including your windows. Uh, but uh, actually, the core of the problem is your attic and your basement. It's kind of the old adage: when it's cold, you your parents tell you to put on a hat and put on warm socks and boots. Right? It's the same thing for your house. Okay. So uh, your answer is false. Yes. 
You're right. You're right. It's actually well, ChatGPT said it was fifty percent. This is, this is like his but, world. This is his yeah. world. Oh, oh, Jeff, is, it, is this ChatGPT three point five or four point oh? I guess <laughs> this, this, this exactly. is this is four point oh. This is four point oh. But, but, but <laughs> you know, good stuff. This, this this is this is better stuff. Yeah, but this is up until two thousand twenty one September data. So yeah, I, I trust you, Andy. Andy GPT. All right, true <laughs> or false? <laughs> Smart thermostats can help reduce heating and cooling costs by up to fifteen percent. I'll say yes with an emphasis on up to, because it really depends on the thermostat and the way that you use it. Okay. Okay, great. Are they really smarter? I mean, I can program my $20 thermostat too. Yes. I don't understand how they help me more than a $20 programmable. So this will go back to LAF. Uh, May surprise you, most people that have programmable thermostats do not program them. So a lot of what smart thermostats do is just do all of that kind of programming work for you in the background. There's some occupancy sensors. There's a little bit more kind of magic to it than that. But a lot of it is just doing the work that you could do yourself that most people don't do. All right. It's that like incrementality of like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. set it up, right? You save a dollar over here sort of the thing. Up like, to 15%. <laughs> yeah. More yeah. efficient. Yeah. I have one. I like right. it. I, I'm finding it helpful. All right. Last one. True or false. Green roofs with vegetation covering the roof surface has no significant impact on buildings energy efficiency. Has no significant impact no, on buildings none. energy efficiency? Yeah. I mean, it has certainly has some. Um, so I'd say that's false. But, you know, I think it really depends on your on your roof and, and your building. And oftentimes you're going to have a bigger at least climate impact by putting in solar panels. Um, and mm. also from knowing a lot of people that did green roofs. And I like most people in this in this space, I had my green roof phase. It gets really messy because you have a lot of like dirt and stuff up there. So dirt. It's, it's something you got dirt on your roof. It's, some, it's something if you want if you want to grow stuff for your own kind of purposes, yeah. highly recommend. It's really mm. cool. But if you're if you're trying to maximize your your kind of climate impact uh, or minimize your climate impact, um, there's other other things you can probably do. You're right. You're right. Four out of four. It says it provides some natural insulation, Mailer. reduces heat absorption, and helps to manage stormwater runoff. But yeah, I trust Andy GPT more than. Chat GPT. All right. He, that's he, he got them all. He nailed it. He, he, yeah, you got them all. You didn't even sweat. All right. Last thing, Andy. So call to action. Climate change is big. People, they often feel helpless and doing anything. What's the equivalent of what a listener can do? And it could be, you know, any average tech professional. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a homeowner, obviously, you know, we recommend that you um that you make your home more, more, uh, more efficient and, and electrify, you know, all the appliances that you have in have in your home. If you're in one of the states that sealed that sealed is in, we certainly can help you do that. If you're a professional, right, there's things you can do entering the climate space, right? There's a lot of great companies that you can make an impact on or you can start your own. And then if you're within a company, you know, there's a lot of action happening right now around corporate sustainability, right? Like companies are Many companies are really starting to take their own impact much more seriously. There's regulations coming down the um, down the pike to to be required to quantify those more. Obviously, ESG, while a little controversial, is a big driver of of change uh, of change right now. So there's something you can do both in your home life and in your work life, pretty much pretty much wherever you are. But I love that get involved. No one said that one yet, which is yeah, go get a job in climate tech. Like that's that's the. That's the way to do it. I, I called it out in another podcast, but you know, we had a we interviewed uh, the CEO and founder of Drone Seed, which is now mass reforestation. But mm. he said this months ago, which is like, I want the brain drain. I yeah. want to brain drain the tech industry, bring them to the climate world. Yes, and it's happening right in the yes. last in the last yes. four months, first part of 
2023, it's been happening, right? We've yeah. got these layoffs and we have tech professionals moving into the climate tech space. Uh, yeah, you can go to, um, like there's great resources like Climate Draft and, and others that are kind of organizing um, folks that are interested in to get into the climate space. There's a lot of really great stuff going on. We'll link that. Yeah, this is great. Andy, this is amazing. Where can we find you? Where do we find Andy Frank? Where do we find Sealed? So you can find Sealed at uh, Sealed.com. And um, we've actually created a special promotion for um, Climate Mayhem podcast listeners only. So if you go to Sealed.com, S-E-A-L-E-D.com slash CM podcast, you can get a special deal, free $300 smart home kit if you, um, for the first uh, 10 podcast listeners who uh, move forward with the Sealed project. Hell and then yeah. you can and then you can find me at um on Twitter um at uh, Andy J Frank and then I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well and you can also visit our our Twitter presence at sealed homes uh, and then we've got a great blog sealed.com slash uh, slash news where um, we have various various updates various musings various uh, pieces of information um, we've got a great content library on our website as well so anything you want to know about weatherization heat pumps health safety climate um, you can find a lot of great information there well like I said I, I really appreciated your perspective on the IRA I think you guys bring a pretty real world you know uh, example of how that's going to impact daily homeowners and and I, I love that. So great content there at sealed.com and I, I I dig that. And thank you for that a little discount code to our listeners. Please take advantage of that uh, if you're in the sealed states again that slash you know sealed.com slash cm podcast uh, but we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Oh and I should mention we're in right now the states we're in are New York Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Here we go. You, you're creeping over here to the West Coast. Yeah. We're getting there. We're gonna keep it coming. Andy, thanks so much. Thanks for everything you're doing. And um, yeah, for finding the climate fight with us. Thank yeah, you, Jacob. It was a lot thanks. Of fun, man. Yeah. Really thank you, Ty. It. And really excited to go back in the world and make some more climate mayhem. <laughs> I love it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it going. All right. All right. See you now. See you, Andy. Right, Bye. 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 Boom. How was that? Well, there's more. So keep listening. We speak with climate tech leaders and change makers in EV, reforestation, solar energy, flood mapping, and a whole lot more. Also, you can give feedback or check out show notes at our website, climatemayhem.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Oh, don't forget, if you found this valuable or interesting at all, please hit subscribe. That way we know you're loving it. So just go to Spotify or whatever podcast app you're on. Hit that subscribe button at the top. Production was done by Daniel Steenkamp with cover art by Harrison Glenn. This is Jake Kubica with my legendary colleague, Ty Wolf motherfucking Jones. Peace out, Climate Mayhem. Out. Out.